Thank you for joining us for another podcast from the Commonwealth Club. Thank you, Adam. Thank you for hosting us here, and thank you for being a longtime warrior for national service in many ways. Many ways we stand on your shoulders and the shoulders of your colleagues here today for this exciting conversation. So, as Adam mentioned, my name is Josh Friday. I get to have the honor of serving as the California Chief Service Officer, and uh, and I get to work with Governor Newsom and his administration to to really lead service and volunteer and civic engagement efforts throughout our entire great state. And I'd like to first off by just saying a special thank you. A thank you to everyone here who came in to to be part of this conversation today, to thank the Commonwealth Club for hosting us and for having us here, and a special thank you to everyone who's at home, comfortable with their popcorn, tuning in and watching us online. I also know that there are many uh, former AmeriCorps members that are with us today in audience, with us online, and I want to say to you a very heartfelt thank you for your service, and I also want to thank our future AmeriCorps members that I see in the audience as well for being here. I am so pleased and honored to, to be a part of this occasion today, to be a moderator for tonight's program, and to be with my friend and, and my colleague, someone who inspires me, inspires us all, and that's the CEO of AmeriCorps, Michael Smith. And this is Michael's first official visit and trip to California as head of this important agency. And so I'm so pleased to be in discussion with him. And here's the the important part. We want Michael to come back. So when we have q and I'm going to ask for some California hospitality. And we're going to take it easy on Michael tonight because we want him coming back. (laughs) Here in California, AmeriCorps members are fighting the impacts of climate change. They're building homes. They're tutoring in our low-income schools. And they are making our community safer, and they are engaging our population in such critical ways. And here in California, with Governor Newsom's leadership, we've been able to launch the country's first statewide climate corps to mobilize Californians to take climate action. We've increased the education award that you're going to hear about tonight to $10,000 for those who serve. We've recently launched the College Corps, which is roughly the size of the entire Peace Corps, to create debt-free pathways to those who serve in their communities And we're proud to include, for the very first time, our AB 540 eligible dreamers. And as a veteran who served in our military and knows the trying time and the challenging time that we are facing as a country, I feel in my heart and know the importance of national service to actually solving our biggest challenges, which is why it's so important and exciting that we get to host Michael Smith here today. Michael is just the ACO of AmeriCorps, the Federal Agency for Service and Volunteerism, formerly known as the Corporation for National and Community Service. He has dedicated his career to social justice and public service, including serving as Executive Director of My Brother's Keeper Alliance and the Director of Youth Opportunity Programs at the Obama Foundation. Michael was part of the team that designed and launched the famous My Brother's Keeper Initiative in the Obama administration and was appointed special assistant to President Obama and senior director of cabinet affairs. In other words, he's kind of a fancy, important dude. (laughs) Earlier in his career, he led efforts at organizations such as the Case Foundation, the Beaumont Foundation of America, and was an aide to a U.S. congressman. And before Michael and I are in discussion, I'd like to invite Michael to the podium to discuss the state of national service, where he sees it today, and why he thinks it remains such a powerful, powerful tool for us to address many of today's challenges. And then we're going to engage in a robust conversation. Michael, come on up. Go get him. 
Thank you, Josh. Uh, thank you, everyone. Thank you for that uh, warm welcome. Uh, thank you for everyone who is here uh, at the Commonwealth Club and for everyone that is watching us online. Uh, I want to bring greetings and gratitude on behalf of President Biden, the entire Biden-Harris administration, uh, and of course, uh, our entire AmeriCorps family, or our Amera family, as we, we call it. I also, as, as, as Josh mentioned, I want to recognize um, our AmeriCorps members that are here, that are watching, uh, who for the past 30 years have been getting things done for America. And not only the past 30 years, some of our programs that we, we brought together when AmeriCorps was created, like VISTA, uh, go back to the 1960s. So uh, we have been seeing that extraordinary work for so long. I want to thank the Commonwealth Club for the opportunity to speak at this storied venue. Um, I want to thank my brother and my partner in service, Josh Friday, uh, for joining me tonight and for just doing an outstanding job as California's chief state uh, service officer, chief service officer. Uh, the innovation that is happening here is extraordinary. It is groundbreaking. And I constantly find myself uh, directing people back to Josh and this team saying, watch what's happening out here, uh, because I think it's really leading the way on, on what we need to think about in the rest of the country for service. Uh, California, I think, as everyone knows here, is a trendsetter in many things, technology, entertainment, the environment, and the same holds true for service and volunteering. The list of first is impressive. Uh, the California Conservation Corps launched here in 1976 with a motto that I love, and I think we need to put on all of our AmeriCorps t-shirts. The motto was, hard work, low pay, and miserable conditions. <laughs> uh, but that work with the California Conservation Corps has engaged more than 120,000 young adults in conserving California's parks and public lands. Um, California also created the first statewide disaster corps, the first foster youth corps, the first climate corps, and starting under a Republican governor, the very first cabinet-level position for service and volunteering. And Governor Newsom not only continued this position, but he made the largest state investment in AmeriCorps in the history of the program. So in California, we're not just talking about it, we are being about it, and we are already seeing the impact. Um, the Bay Area also has a deep history in service and innovation. Uh, 29 years ago this week, 1,500 young people from around the country came to Treasure Island, which I think if we were out in the lobby here, uh, we, could, we could see Lisa Spinali, who's here, was, was there at Treasure Island uh, to kick off the first summer of service, the prototype of what became AmeriCorps. Uh, like the tech sector, this area is home to many pioneers and social entrepreneurs who have created new models for doing the good that has been replicated across the country. Groups like Playworks, who were we, we were with today, and we got to play uh, at Playworks, which was fun. Reading Partners, 826 Val Valencia, Encore.org, Taproot Foundation, Volunteer Match, and I could go on and on, but we have limited time. Um, this is a challenging time for our country. I don't need to tell anyone that. Uh, we face a series of unprecedented and interlocking crises, a once-in-a-century pandemic, upheavals in the economy, a national reckoning on racial inequity, which was long overdue, soul-crushing gun violence, the shrinking of long-established rights and freedoms, and the threat of climate change. But in the midst of it all, in the midst of the trauma, the tragedy, the inequality, I am reminded of the words of Dr. King who said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. 
The spirit of service has been on overdrive these past two years as people from all walks of life have stepped up showing that love, showing that light to help their neighbors in need respond to the pandemic, supporting immunization clinics, checking on isolated seniors, taking shifts at food banks and tutoring students to help them stay in school and on track. So many people ask me what happened to AmeriCorps members during the pandemic. I said, nothing happened to them. They were there. And so when teachers had to figure out how to go virtual, AmeriCorps members were there. When hospitals had to figure out what to do with staff shortages, AmeriCorps members were were there. Uh, When we had to figure out how we were still going to respond to climate change, AmeriCorps members were there. The compassion uh, reminds us that even in our darkest hours, Americans believe deeply that we are one American family, that our neighbor's children are indeed all of our children. I actually grew up in a community that did not have a whole lot of money, but we had love and abundance. Uh, My grandmother, who worked double shifts in factories, always had time to spend with her grandchildren or to make Sunday dinners where anybody who was in the community, you could show up and you would get a meal. The staff at the Boys and Girls Club where I grew up, who certainly were not in it for the pay, uh, where I first met my first AmeriCorps members, foster grandparents and VISTA members, they served not only as youth development professionals, but they served as mentors, as second moms and aunts and uncles. And they opened doors of opportunities and possibility for kids like me, uh, who otherwise would be limited by the confines of our zip codes and the color of our skin. Our 250,000 AmeriCorps members and AmeriCorps senior volunteers who serve in 40,000 locations, along with more than 1.2 million alumni, are at the forefront of America's forces for good, confronting darkness with light every day and multiplying good where it is needed the most. Um, I saw a dramatic example of this impact last week when I actually traveled to Duncanville, Texas. Uh, Some of you may have heard about this this tragic event uh, where we had AmeriCorps members that were serving at a boss summer camp, which is a program of the Equal Heart program. Uh, A gunman actually shot at children, three and four years old, three and four years olds at this camp. Uh, Duncanville is right outside of, of Dallas. AmeriCorps members, about 40 40 AmeriCorps members service at this location, they sprung into action. They shielded children with with filing cabinets and with their own bodies, and they made sure that the children got out safely. And because of the grace of God, because of an extraordinary response from local law enforcement, because of the staff, and because of our AmeriCorps members, all of those children went home safe with their families that day. Um, You know, since the start of the pandemic, AmeriCorps members... Um, have shown their bravery, um, have shown the importance that they have, the critical importance to the community. We've actually assisted more than 12.3 million Americans by supporting vaccination, conducting wellness checks, delivering meals, tutoring and mentoring students and more. And building on that foundation, we've actually partnered with CDC to launch Public Health AmeriCorps, a $400 million partnership with the Centers for Disease Control that's adding capacity to the strained public health system, but also helping to create a pipeline of the next generation of public health care workers that are from underserved communities. Uh, And AmeriCorps is uniquely positioned to address the next looming crisis, the existential threat of climate change. We have decades of experience in conservation cores and clean energy, hundreds of community partners, a structure that supports local solutions, and nearly 16,000 AmeriCorps members that are serving in climate-related programs and projects each year. 
Our agency has the ability to play a central role in making our communities more resilient and sustainable. And so after doing this work for nearly 30 years, next year we celebrate 30. Sorry for those of you who were around at the beginning, if that's making you, you feel a little older. You look great. Uh, but we, we celebrate 30 years next year. Uh, there is a growing body of research that's developed over the past 30 years that demonstrates how national service is a proven and cost-effective strategy to address local challenges. So it's not only a heart thing, it's a, it's a head thing. We know that this works not only for AmeriCorps members, but for our country. For every dollar that was invested in AmeriCorps, it returned $17 to society, program members, or the federal government. There have been numerous independent evaluations that have demonstrated that AmeriCorps programs improve school readiness, attendance and behavior, boost reading and math achievement, and increase access to college and careers. And one of the things that I am very excited about is there used to be a debate amongst folks in AmeriCorps. Is this about serving the community or is it about serving members? That debate is gone. We recognize that AmeriCorps is at its best when we are transforming communities and we are changing lives. Uh, most recently, we actually just just celebrated the 10-year anniversary of FEMA Corps, where FEMA gets to deploy our NCCC teams uh, to places where they are needed most to respond to disaster. Over the past 10 years of FEMA Corps, 23% of them have been hired by FEMA. This last graduating class, we were down with them in Vicksburg, Mississippi at our at our C campus. 70% of them were offered jobs by FEMA. So this isn't, you know, just a year of service. Uh, our data shows us that people stay in public service. They stay in the field of education. They stay in social justice. And now they are moving into career pipelines uh, where they will be the next generation of folks that are serving in so many critical spaces. So even though we are in some dark times, I have never been more optimistic than I am right now about the power of service to drive solutions to the toughest challenges. And that's why I believe that this moment of challenge is also a moment of opportunity. We have a once in a generation opportunity to not just return to the way things were before, but as my boss, President Biden, likes to say, we have an opportunity to build back better, to build back stronger, and to build back in a way that is more inclusive than we've ever seen. So how do we seize this moment? Uh, first, we have to stay laser-focused on impact. That means reaching out to communities that have been left behind, putting resources where they'll do the most good, investing in evidence-based models. I am proud to report that last year, 70% of AmeriCorps grantees had strong or moderate levels of evidence, so we know that the work they're doing is going to have an impact, and we have to keep a relentless focus on results. The second thing that we need to do is make sure that AmeriCorps reflects the rich diversity of our country and the communities where we serve. We haven't always gotten it right, but I am proud today to report that AmeriCorps is more diverse than the nation. Here in California, for instance, uh, more than 45% of AmeriCorps members are Latinx or Hispanic. So we're moving in the right direction, but there's more that we have to do to remove the barriers that stand in the way of making national service accessible to everyone. And the last thing that we have to do is be more intentional to helping to use the power of service, the bridge divides, allow people to heal divisions and see each other's humanity. So you are probably asking, how can you help? Because we can't do this alone. Uh, when it comes to problems like these, no one sector can get the job done. It will take all of us working together. So I have five ways that if you are looking to get engaged, you can help. Um, one, there is recruitment and outreach. 
We have, as I mentioned, 250,000 AmeriCorps members and senior volunteers. Whenever we, we see the economy where it is right now, it's a little harder to recruit. So help us with re- recruiting. Uh, if you are at a technology company that's watching this, if you run uh, a local business, uh, there are ways that you can help us find the next generation of AmeriCorps members to tell them that they can change their communities, change the world, and even change their own trajectory. Help us to reduce barriers. Consider investing in AmeriCorps members and programs. Uh, you know, you can provide match funding to grantees to raise the living allowance, fund housing, transportation, and food, or even create the types of training that can lead to new workforce opportunities. You can become an employer of national service or a school of national service. We actually have more than 600 companies and organizations with 2.6 million jobs that have already signed up to prioritize AmeriCorps members in recruitment and hiring, and more than 200 national service, uh, schools of national service offer scholarships, application fee waivers, tuition matching, uh, and benefits for AmeriCorps alumni. Uh, and the, the, you can also, if you care about climate, education, equity, and justice, AmeriCorps can be a force multiplier to help you reach communities in greatest need and accelerate impact on the toughest challenges of our day. As I said, we are in 40,000 locations across the country, so we have the ability to help get to scale quickly. And the last way you can help is it is never too late to think about becoming an AmeriCorps member. We have AmeriCorps members from 18 to 80. I met with an AmeriCorps member that was 90 recently who had been serving in our AmeriCorps Seniors Program for 20 years. So go to AmeriCorps.gov. Go use our Fit Finder and find a way that you can put your passion and your talent uh, to good in your community. And you can get an education award to help you pay for college uh, or post-secondary education. You can get a living allowance and lots of other benefits to thank you and help enable your service. So the table is set. The need is more than clear. Our service and volunteering infrastructure is ready. Our youth are ready, and so our seniors and AmeriCorps, uh, AmeriCorps Americans of all ages are waiting to be asked. So if the last few years have taught us nothing else, it taught us when the going gets tough, America and AmeriCorps gets tougher. Service to community and country is the light and darkness. It is the hope when facing hopelessness, and it is the change that we carry all within ourselves. So together, I am confident that we will meet this moment that we have been given, and we will make hope, opportunity, and possibility the promise of everyone who lives in this great land. Thank you for joining us today, and I am looking forward to a conversation with Josh. Thank you, Michael, and thank you for leaving us with hope and optimism. We, we need some of that these days, so we appreciate you bringing that to California. Uh, before we jump into today's conversation, uh, we do want you to ask questions. We want to hear from you. So if you are here in, uh, with us on site, there should be cards in your, on your chairs that you can fill out and bring to us, and we'll make sure to get those questions asked. And if you're online, please fill out the, uh, the box uh, in, in your YouTube channel, and, and we'll make sure that uh, we try to get to your questions. But let's go ahead and just jump right into it if we can, Michael. Let's, uh, let's do it. up our sleeves and get dirty here. So uh, you, you've made um, equity and fairness uh, and removing barriers, uh, a pillar of your vision for national service and for AmeriCorps. And we, we know it's something that the, the Biden-Harris administration has 
has also um, uh, really made important uh, to everything that they're doing. So how how do you see that? How do you how do you plan on implementing that vision, and and why do you think that's so important for the agency moving forward? Well, you know, I don't think I have to explain to anyone that is tuning in today why it is important, but I will, <laughs> just in case. Um, you know. Before I, I, I did this work, we, you, it was mentioned that I, I worked for President Obama leading his My Brother's Keeper initiative. Um, and the President's Council on Economic Advisors at that time did a study that showed if you were a black baby boy born 25 years ago, you had a one in two chance of being employed in America. Hmm. That was due to early death. Um, that was due to incarceration and other disparities in employment and education. That same study, however, showed us that if we could close the employment and labor force participation rate between young men of color between the ages of 16 to 54 and their peers, we would increase GDP by 2%. Mm. You're talking about billions of dollars, uh, hundreds of billions of dollars when, when you get there. So again, this isn't something that is nice to do. It's not something um, that th- that's happening so you know, we could feel good about meeting this moment. It is critical to global competitiveness, to state competitiveness. If this country is going to continue to succeed and thrive, we have to put equity at the center, and we have to make sure that everyone, no matter who they are or where they come from, has every opportunity to succeed. And we have to be willing to own the challenges and the opportunities uh, that that exist in that space. And so that's why uh, we are putting equity in the center. We also know uh, when there is proximate leadership, we have better breakthroughs. Uh, We know that when people closest to the pain or closer to the power, you get better solutions. Uh, you have the opportunity to make breakthroughs to members of the community uh, and lead change that you wouldn't see otherwise. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that and, and for, for all your work. Can I actually, can I ask you, can I go off script and ask you a question? Go for you it. All are, you all are doing something about it. You know, I, I remember, like, this isn't just a conversation about race, uh, but you are moving dollars. You are confronting the, the barriers in all sorts of interesting ways. So I'm, could, I, you should talk a little bit about how you're confronting uh, equity and the barriers to service here in California. Yeah, would, would uh, appreciate that opportunity. Uh, and we are, uh, for the reasons that you stated, we have to. Uh, and I, I think it was something you'll be familiar with. I think it was a guy named uh, Joe Biden who once said, <laughs> don't tell me your values, show me your that's, budget, and I'll tell right. you your values. That's right. And here in California, Governor Newsom has invested significant resources to making sure that service uh, is, is accessible to everyone. So we've increased the education award that AmeriCorps provides up to $10,000 uh, per service member who serves for a year. We've also increased the stipend for our programs like our Climate Corps up to $30,000 a year for an uh, 11-month term and then a $10,000 scholarship on top of it. With the College Corps program that I, I briefly mentioned earlier, we're creating debt-free pathways for low-income students who commit to serving for a year. So we're thinking about a variety of ways of providing the incentive, but really in creating the opportunity for everyone to be able to serve, uh, including dreamers for the first time yes, here in California yes. so because, of, this, because so of California's uh, commitment and investment to that. So uh, we're in this with you. We're following your vision on this, um, but it really comes down to a, a governor and a legislature willing to invest in it, which we're very proud of here in California. Uh, I, if I can um, bring it back to you, because we're, we're, okay. we're here to host you. Uh, in your remarks, you said that... Um, you said that we should be, which I thought was interesting, we should be thinking about climate change as an opportunity, even though we're obviously in a climate crisis and felt in no greater place than here in California. Um, can you expand on that? What do you think AmeriCorps' role should be in addressing climate change uh, and in really taking advantage of what you call as an opportunity? 
Sure. What some people may not know, uh, as a part of the proposed Build Back Better Act legislation uh, that got really far so close, but not all the way there, there was going to be a civilian climate corps. Uh, and there would have been a massive investment to expand the role of this agency in running that civilian climate corps, uh, which would have created thousands more AmeriCorps climate corps members uh, that were out in communities uh, that were helping with all sorts of mitigation, that were helping not only respond to disasters, but prevent disasters, doing retrofitting, uh, doing solar energy, and figuring out all sorts of needs, whether it's inner cities or rural or in our national parks, and, and making a difference. And the reason that AmeriCorps was asked to be put in the center of that is because we have a long track record. You know, some of the work that we're seeing here in, in, in California, for instance, we actually have 15,000 AmeriCorps members, actually almost 16,000 AmeriCorps members uh, that are working in, in, in climate-related fields. And so we have the expertise on how you can use AmeriCorps members and young people and engage them in this work that is so incredibly important. Um, we have seen we have seen this work work. And I think what's what's even more important is our recruits are telling us this is what they care about. Uh, young people are coming in and say, this is the defining issue of our time, and this is what, this is what I want to work on. And so we have to be responsive to the moment. And I actually think that's one of the wonderful things about AmeriCorps. Uh, one, communities decide where we're going to have the focus through state partnerships like those that we have with you. Uh, but also we're able to pivot and we're able to meet the moment in all sorts of interesting ones. And this is the moment of our time and we have to make sure we're doing something about it. Amen. Amen. It's, it's one of the reasons we're so proud about the California Climate Action Corps. And I'd be remiss if I didn't point out uh, somebody who helped us launch it, Kif Shoyer, who's in the audience with us today. Thank you, Kif. Uh, Thank you, Kif. But it's, <laughs> and, uh, but it's, it's for all the reasons you, you stated uh, of, of why this is the moment, this is the issue. So um, we're excited about what's possible national uh, in, in moving forward. Um, Michael, you're here at the Commonwealth Club in California, right in the heart, I'm, some may argue, also the mind and the belly of the tech sector. Uh, <laughs> what is your message to the private sector when it comes to national service and how we move your vision forward? Well, you know, there are a couple of things that I would say the private sector, uh, tech sector especially. Uh, one, please help us help us out. Um, I think there is so much more that we can be doing from a recruitment standpoint uh, when we're thinking about working with the technology center. Are we asking uh, folks or technology sector? Are we asking folks, uh, how are you serving? What are pathways to serve? Do you, do you know uh, that there are ways to give back to your community? And so one, help us be creative and, and, and think about that. Uh, the other thing is help us and hire AmeriCorps members. The data is very clear. Uh, people that serve, that are given leadership positions, that all of a sudden, you know, after Hurricane Ida, uh, they are responsible for 200 volunteers to make sure they're doing mucking and gutting. Uh, they're working with FEMA and helping with their marketing plan. This is a tried by fire type of thing when you, when you do AmeriCorps, and they are exactly the type of folks that uh, our employers of national service tell us they want working in their jobs, and we're seeing more and more employers do that. So join us. Uh, become employers of national service and create preference and pipelines uh, for, for, for AmeriCorps members. And I would, I would also say uh, that there is a great opportunity to support and help um, our grantees, to help our partners across the country. Um, are there board members uh, that are needed at our, at our AmeriCorps grantees? Um, are there checks that, that you can write? Are there technology solutions and systems so you can help us uh, be more creative uh, about how we are engaging members and that we're doing the work that we're doing? And so really, this, the sky is the limit. Um, but what we have found over the years is we just can't do it alone. And the private sector has been such an important partner in this work. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you have any great examples here in California of the private sector 
uh, we, working for good? We do. I mean, just on the heels of the conversation we were having around climate, uh, we launched Climate Corps initially with the private sector, with philanthropy. Philanthropy stepped up in a major way. Salesforce, who uh, all you have to do is stick your head out, out the door here and you see the Salesforce tower, uh, was one of the initial supporters. And it was the private sector who came together and said, we want to help the state create a culture of, serv- of climate service and, and active activism around climate. Uh, and so we're going to help create this climate core. And then now uh, the governor has secured resources uh, with the legislature to keep that program going. So it's an example of the private sector plays a hugely important role in I think, right. catalyzing and supporting and also creating a real culture of service uh, everywhere. Here, here. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So I'm going to ask one more question and I'm going to share you with the with the rest of the audience. Uh, And this is a question I'm most excited uh, to ask you about, which is what motivates you? What 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 inspires Michael Smith uh, to do this work, to travel around the country uh, and to and to dedicate your precious time on on this earth to uh, to supporting national service? Yeah, I, I, I tell people all the time I have the best job in the federal government, and I think most people would, uh, who serve in the federal government would agree with me. I was recently at a, a cabinet meeting of the, the president's uh, climate cabinet, uh, and I was looking around the table at all the, the cabinet members and the headaches that they were having to go back to in order to make sure that we're, we're staying on track on all sorts of issues. Uh, and we certainly have our fair share of challenges, but I get to wake up every day making sure that we are helping the helpers, uh, that we are sending resources to those that are optimistic and want to do whatever they can to make a difference uh, in, in their communities. And so it really is a joy and a privilege. I think personally, you know, I've just always believed to much is given, much is required. Uh, and the only reason that I am sitting here with you today as a, a child of teen parents uh, in a community uh, where there was uh, way too much violence, uh, where the data should show you that I probably shouldn't be, be sitting here, uh, that far too many of my peers ended up incarcerated uh, or ended up in the grave because of horrific systemic inequality. Uh, I am here because of people like AmeriCorps members, Mm. uh, people that helped me to realize who I was, uh, who gave a little extra to be that bridge over troubled water and to to water into me and allow me to achieve my dreams. And so I get the opportunity uh, to give back to those folks to make their lives and their path a little easier and also to make sure that we can provide them with transformative opportunities. Um, What better job, what better inspiration could you have? Uh, Well, I appreciate that. Let's hear from Michael. Okay, here's our first question. Uh, what are your big goals for AmeriCorps over the next two years? Sure. Uh, it's, oh, goodness. I, I've been trying to keep my goals to three. Uh, and every meeting I have, there's like a goal 3C.3. Three C, uh, three C three. Uh, so there, there, are, there are three areas that have really bubbled up to the top. Um, one is continuing to drive this work around evidence-based approaches really making sure we are not a thousand flowers blooming. Um, it's not enough to just say, uh, you know, doing good is not enough. We got, we've got to know we've done good. Uh, not only how many boots are on the ground, but what is the impact we had? How many young people finished high school? How many young people went to college? How many completed college? How many got jobs? And so really focusing more on how national service uh, is having measurable, tan- tangible impact on the greatest challenges. Equity, I want to make sure by the time I am done in this position, America 
AmeriCorps looks a lot more like America, mm. not only on a national level, uh, but making sure it's, you know, not just AmeriCorps members from one community flying in to serve another, but that, um, that young people that are growing up in an inner city neighborhood, in a rural community, in a tribal community, don't only think I can be served by AmeriCorps members, but I can be an AmeriCorps member. You know what? I can run this AmeriCorps program. And so by the time I'm done, I want to make sure that it looks a lot more like that. And not only for AmeriCorps members, but for, for our grantees. Um, I have heard from far too many of our grantees, it's really hard to administer an AmeriCorps program. It's a federal grant. Um, and from our BIPOC-led organizations, our tribal, rural organizations. And so I want to make sure that we think about the barriers that stand in the way so that the more than a billion dollars that we move to communities every year, more of it is going to organizations that reflect the diversity of our community. And lastly, you know, I, we talked a, a little bit more about a little earlier about this idea about bridge building, uh, about unity. You've seen this, Josh. There is just something that happens uh, in a city year program uh, where a young woman coming from rural Iowa uh, is serving on a team uh, with a young woman from Southeast DC uh, that allows them to see each other's humanity when they have to roll up their sleeves together, uh, when they are responding to these challenges, when you're responding after Hurricane Ida, uh, where you come from, how much money your parents make, what your political ideologies are, those arguments that you were having on Facebook uh, kind of get thrown out the window. Uh, and I think there is something special. And the data is actually saying it. There's something special about the power of service that can bring people together, and I want to do more. And I guess if, you know, my, my 3B or my, my, my goal four-ish uh, is we have to turn the table around recruitment. Uh, we are seeing recruitment challenges across the country, so we have to think about what are the benefits, what are the incentives, how are we talking about this work more so that we are uh, moving in a much better direction on recruitment and so that we're providing more opportunities for Americans to serve, whether you want to serve 1,700 hours in a school or you, whether you want to serve an hour a week uh, on something that you care about. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Uh, you mentioned division, some of the divisions we're facing in our society and the, and the role of service to bring people together. This is a question online. Does national service still have bipartisan support? Oh, my goodness. National service, this is another reason why I have the best job in the federal government. Um, we enjoy extraordinary bipartisan support. Uh, we have a bipartisan uh, national service caucus on the Hill. Uh, I, I meet with members from across the parties uh, all the time. Uh, it's, it's one of the tables in Washington, D.C., where people can come together. We actually just had a national service gala a couple weeks. Uh, there, there's something uh, that people see. Uh, when folks are responding to the fires and floods in your community, when people are standing in that line managing test, testing and vaccination lines, uh, people, people, no matter what your party affiliation is, you know that national service matters. And so we've, we've been so um, fortunate to have that strong support. You know, it was a, an initiative that was started by President Clinton, but hugely championed by, by President Bush. Uh, and we have just seen such incredible support since then. Yeah, good, good. That's encouraging. Um, this is a uh, uh, sort of a question related to the, the moment we find ourselves in, which is basic economics of demand and supply with gasoline prices are hurting the economy. Fixed income communities or hurts fixed income communities the most. Carpooling in the past was one of the way to reduce demand. Is there a role in 2022 for AmeriCorps service members to help reduce the demands for gasoline in any noteworthy innovative strategies? That's a great question. You've got, you've got me question. stumped on that. I mean, obviously, we have a lot of AmeriCorps members that are working on 
our carbon footprint. But I, I think that's, I think that's a good idea for us to take back to the team to, to see if there's anything that we can do about that. Yeah. Good. Excellent. All right. Let's, uh, let's move to, uh, to an important question from one of our future AmeriCorps members in the audience. Uh, this is from Logan. What gift should we give to the United States of America for his birthday coming up? Oh, Logan, a great young American and patriot. That is a, that is a great question. What ge- I, thank you for asking that question. Um, you know, we, we often think about uh, President Kennedy's words. You know, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. And I think America has seen at times of great challenge, whether it was after 9-11 or as after Hurricane Katrina, um, it is the call to action. Uh, when the, the time seemed the darkest, that's not the time to turn inward. That's the time to turn outward and say, what can I do? Is it creating mutual aid networks? Is it checking in on my neighbor? Is it making a difference? And so I think as we come to, I can never remember how we say the 205th quadra deca bicent. Someone help me out with that. But as we come up on this important birthday, um, uh, I, I think it is a moment for us to step back and ask, uh, how do we serve? What am I giving back? So uh, thank you for that. Uh, thank you for asking that question. And that is a part of our job, uh, to help funnel more Americans to figuring out how to combine their passion uh, with a way to serve and give back to their communities. Fantastic. Excellent. Here's another question from another future AmeriCorps member. Uh, we're going to put your feet to the fire here. What can grade schools do for service learning in America? Oh, that, oh goodness. Uh, that is, you, you have to start early. Uh, you, you, you can't just one day uh, say <laughs> to a 20-year-old, you know, you should think about service. And when I think about my own life, my path to service started very early. I, I grew up in the Pentecostal church. We were feeding the homeless. We were, you know, providing all sorts of supports to each other in our community. At the Boys and Girls Club, they, they had us um, doing all sorts of, of service work at a, an early age. So you have to get that spark early. And what I'm excited about that early spark and, and ways that folks can give back is it, it creates a, uh, when you're young, it, it creates a spark. It ignites something. So you might at, you know, seven years old, go with your mom or dad to serve in a food pantry. Then all of a sudden, when you're 13, 14 years old, you're saying, why are people hungry and homeless in the first place? And when you're making your decisions about college, you might think, I want to work on the systemic inequality that uh, we can, that, that keeps this, this problem here in America. And so we, we create that spark, we create that fuel. So you start with charity and you end up moving to justice. And, and that's why we have to start at a young age. Excellent. Excellent. Did that suffice? Do we, is that okay? Do we need more? We're good. All right. Awesome. Um, Michael, what other states are doing a good job on national service, <laughs> just like California. And it looks like this is from a, a Gavin New. <laughs> All of our states are wonderful. <laughs> uh, you know, for, for those of you who don't know, AmeriCorps actually operates uh, through state service commission. So it's not just here in, in California. Uh, so every single state has someone usually appointed by the governor uh, that does a similar role to Josh. And more than half of the dollars that the agency awards every year goes through those state service commissions. And that was done very intentionally to make sure that Washington is not controlling uh, what the what the challenges and the solutions are. But 
that's really uh, up from the from the ground. And so there are wonderful innovations that are happening all over the country, uh, and I've had a chance to, to to see so many. So you know, in Minnesota, for instance, you've got the Minnesota Reading Corps, which is uh, now AMPAC, that is doing some of the most extraordinary work on using the power of service to improve uh, literacy and to uh, improve math uh, test scores. Uh, we were we were recently in Pennsylvania uh, with one of a program called uh, Power Corps, PHL, uh, where they are working with opportunity youth and some young people that have been involved in the justice system, and they are getting them out into climate jobs, and they are teaching them certification, how to do tree removal. Uh, and what we actually saw recently is 20% of Philadelphia's water department is now coming through Power Corps, PHL. Uh, so we're seeing some interesting things uh, happening there. So there is great innovation. There's great work that's happening all over the the country. Uh, I encourage you, for anyone who's interested, to look at ASK, which is the Association of State Service Commissions, and you can find some of the innovations that are happening uh, through the states by going to that organization. Yeah, one of the, I'm going to ask a follow-up question, if that's okay. Uh, One of the questions um, I have for you, because you have the privilege of going around the country and seeing all the best sort of best practices and what's happening. Are are there examples that you would like to take nationally that you're hoping could scale up and, and, and be brought across all of the states? Sure. You know, one I, I talked about in my opening remarks, this this idea of being much more intentional about career pathways, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's happening. Uh, but I can't say it's happened only because we're fueling it. Uh, FEMA Corps uh, helped us to think about this in a new way, which helped us to think about Public Health AmeriCorps in a different way. So we're actually building in that training from the very, very beginning. And so the, the initiatives that are happening around the country that are moving uh, AmeriCorps members into career pathways ways. That is incredibly important. And I want to see see more of that. Mm-hmm. Actually, just yesterday, I actually here in California, I uh, saw a program that I'm really excited about impact justice. Uh, impact justice has California Youth Justice Corps, where they are actually taking formerly incarcerated young people uh, who had been incarcerated uh, in the juvenile detention facilities, and they are making them AmeriCorps members to work as credible messengers to help with reentry for young people that are now walking in their shoes. Uh, and so I am really excited about ways that AmeriCorps is making sure that we are serving those in greatest needs uh, and being more creative uh, about creating pathways to opportunity that changes the AmeriCorps members and those that they're serving. Yeah, thank you. Um, is there any conversation in D.C.? About, yes. About, <laughs> about na- mandatory national service. How do you think about mandatory national service? That's, you said you were going to keep make this easy uh, for me. <laughs> so there, there is there is there is often conversation, and I would say there there are divides, and there's a, a, a range of maybe we should start by um, asking. So, for instance, uh, when you know, still in this country, you have to register for selective service uh, for for the draft. So what about when you have to do that? Why don't you also get asked about national service? And would you consider serving in AmeriCorps? Uh, What about more schools that are requiring national service before you graduate um, or as a part of your college going? What about more work-study programs that are national service? So I think there are many people who believe in mandatory national service, and maybe that's a good idea. I think it's up for debate, but there's a long way we can go before we even get there to use the tools that we already have to present service uh, to folks that maybe didn't think about it uh, in in their day-to-day life. Yeah, absolutely. What are some of the best ways that sponsors so, or host partners can support new VISTA members? So new, new members that are beginning their journey in national service. What are the best ways 
that, uh, that they can support our service members. You know, one of the things that I've heard from AmeriCorps alum uh, and AmeriCorps members is more pairing up with existing service members. Uh, so just being more intentional about that. I think the work is so urgent in communities across the country. It's let's get you trained up and go and do this. But spending more time intentionally hearing how did it go? How did you do this? How did you handle this challenge? Uh, what was this like? I'm, I'm hearing more about affinity groups, especially at this time uh, as we are going through this racial reckoning and as we're dealing with uh, changing uh, thoughts on, on all sorts of issues, creating affinity spaces so AmeriCorps members can, can learn and, and grow together and have safe spaces to, to have those conversations. Um, also, I'm really excited about our AmeriCorps sponsor organizations of all types uh, that are getting really creative uh, about providing um, outsized more benefits than we can provide at the national agency and the types of things uh, that you're doing here in California. So we were with Playworks today. Uh, they have the highest living allowance that you possibly can have, more than, than, than 30000 dollars for a full-time service. They're providing gas cards uh, for AmeriCorps members. There some We have some AmeriCorps programs that are helping to find housing. Uh, so thinking about how can you knock on your local businesses' doors? Uh, what's your, how is your state and local community contributing uh, to make sure that we're making this experience possible for more AmeriCorps members? Yeah, and this is this is, next question is related to that. Um, so I'd love to, because one of the themes we've talked about a lot is your vision uh, and the importance of focusing on a more diverse and inclusive volunteer corps and, and having it reflect America. So what do you see as some of the, as the critical tools for us actually to build a more diverse and inclusive volunteer corps? Sure. You know, there's, there's some interesting experience, experiments that are happening around the country. The, the Schultz Foundation uh, is actually working with a, a group of other foundations around the country that are, are testing all sorts of different strategies, uh, using philanthropic dollars to, to raise the living allowance, to think about housing, to think about food, to think about transportation. But what that early data is showing is that is not a silver bullet. Um, just because you raise living allowances uh, doesn't mean all of a sudden you are going to have a more diverse core. There are conversations we are having to have about cultural competency. Um, you know, for instance, one of the things we're, we're doing this summer with our NCCC, uh, the National Civilian Community Corps, our summer of service for NCCC, uh, we're allowing uh, recruits to sign up in p- pairs because maybe they're scared to go to Vicksburg, Mississippi uh, by themselves and, and be in a, in a class of, of people they don't know. So sign up with your friend and we will guarantee that you can serve together. Um, you know, maybe we need to think about shorter forms of service. Mm. Uh, We've talked to uh, folks, uh, Arnie Duncan, uh, who's been a big supporter of national service. He uh, now runs Chicago Cred, uh, which is working in Chicago with young men that are most likely to be shot or to be shooters uh, in in Chicago. And what we've learned from them is AmeriCorps could be hard if you're a single dad, uh, if you have to, you know, work multiple jobs and you still have to get those 1,700 hours of service uh, and you're still trying to get X certification. So there's, there are all sorts of things that we have to think about uh, that gets to the unique issues that, that folks are, are facing. And when we think about diversity, we're not just thinking about inner city communities. We're not just thinking about black and Latinx. And we're thinking about tribal. We're thinking about rural uh, and making sure that we, we represent diversity. Uh, LGBTQIA uh, AmeriCorps members, making sure that we are thinking about making this a safe, open space for everybody where everyone can thrive. Yeah, good. What can you um what can we do to encourage young people to get involved in service? So we've we've you know, we've talked about how important it is and uh uh and, and the impacts it can have and how we've seen it uh change the world. Yeah. Um 
But what have you seen, and what do you, what do you th- what's your theory of, of how we how we really reach the next generation and inspire them to want to serve? Well, one, we, we haven't tried as hard as we should in recent years. When I think about what the private sector does to sell you a candy bar, um, we're, we're nowhere near there. Um, we, you know, we've got to talk about this. We have to understand why, why this is something that you should consider. What are the incentives that we should give? Our competition is stiff right now. Uh, when you can, uh, my, my little brother who's here, uh, had his, he's 16 years old and has his first job. Uh, he's getting almost $14 an hour for a fast food restaurant. You can go into to many jobs nowadays and not only get a living wage, but also get your college paid for. So when AmeriCorps was started and you, you get a, a living wage and you, 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 or you get a living allowance and you get an education award. Our competition is stiff. And so we have to, to, to get much more creative uh, uh, about the incentives that, that we provide. One of the things that we heard yesterday, Josh, we, were, uh, we had the, the privilege of uh, awarding some presidential volunteer service awards, lifetime president's volunteer service awards uh, to some AmeriCorps members from Safe Passages in, in Oakland. Uh, and we were also, we, were, we did that at, on the home plate of, of, of Oracle Stadium at, at the Giants game. Uh, and we heard from one of our VISTA members at the stadium. Uh, I think she said, I think we have to stop talking about this being a selfless experience. It's a selfish experience. And she was saying how much she gets out of it, how rewarding it was for her, how much of a difference it made for, for who she is as a human being. Um, and not only on an emotional level, but what it actually ended up meaning for her uh, career pathways. And so I, I think we have to do a lot more to help people to understand uh, what this experience means. And lastly, uh, to the last discussion we had we have to start younger. Um, we, we, you know, AmeriCorps right now uh, starts at 18 years old. I think we need to do more to think about what's AmeriCorps in, in grade school, what's AmeriCorps in middle, middle school, uh, so that we're starting this pipeline much sooner. Excellent, excellent. Uh, plug for California, there's a bill in the legislature moving through to, uh, to create a program uh, in high schools throughout California. So, I love that, yeah, I so, love that. So we're, we're pushing on that, but as you said, we have, we have a long way to go. Um, I want to try to t- maybe tie a couple of threads together because there's there's a thought there's a question here, but um, that I was gonna I was gonna wait till the end because uh, I think it's it grounds us uh, in so much of why we're here, why we're passionate about this. But I do, but I think it's related to this question of how we're reaching the next generation. And so I want to I want to ask and get your thoughts. So the question is, how does service and volunteerism connect to American values and civics? And the question I want to ask you, because uh, we th- try to think, we think about this a lot in California, is um, we're at a moment right now where there's a lot of people who aren't feeling so good yeah. about what's happening in this country and about where we're going and, and yeah. the direction we're heading. How do you think about how we connect service to what's deeply American, American values, in a way that is also reaching the population we just talked about, the next generation? Sure. I mean, I, I, I think for the, the service nerds uh, that are here or watching online, uh, we talk a lot about de Tocqueville uh, and the, the unique avow- value of, of service and, and ethos of service that, that he saw uh, when he visited America, uh, that there is something that is different. Uh, when you when you think about the barn raisings, uh, when, when you think about, I mean, even here and well, 
Tocqueville didn't know about Oakland. <laughs> but, you know, when I think about the Black Panther Party and the school lunch programs, uh, when I think about rent parties in the, in the, in the black community, uh, when I think about fraternities and sororities, when I, when I just, you know, when I think about mutual aid networks, when I think about neighbors checking on neighbors, there is something that is special that is in the, in, in the water in America that is, that is a part of who we are. Uh, I talked about my own community where people did not have much at, at all. Um, but gave their last to their neighbors uh, and made sure that that children like me can, could succeed. That That is who we are. Now, I think the evolution of that story is some of us that are service nerds maybe spend too much time uh, talking about de Tocqueville, <laughs> maybe spend too much time talking about come and serve your country. Uh, it will, it, it, it will, it, this, 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 um, this altruism. Uh, what we are hearing from our younger AmeriCorps members is it's more about serving their community. It's more about serving their family. It's more about using service uh, towards social justice. Uh, it's more about thinking about what are the challenges that our community is facing right now and how can national service meet this moment. It's more about impact justice as we think about incarceration in the United States and how we need, we need to change that. And so the evolution and, and making it uh, and, and making sure that we're meeting this moment is making sure that national service isn't what was yesterday, but it always has to be about what is today. And the way that we stay that way is making sure that as soon as possible, people like us are turning the reins over uh, and that we're giving opportunities for our young people to be in positions of leadership and really help to make sure that we're, we're driving uh, to a place that they know that we should go. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that answer. Uh, I love this question, um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add on to it. If, <laughs> don't be insulted uh, for our online friends. Uh, so the question is, what happened to AmeriCorps, Vista, and Service Corps, and Senior Corps? Are they still around? Yes! And if, so here's, here's my question. Here's why I say I love it. We do such incredible work. You do such incredible work. AmeriCorps does such incredible work. Why don't more Americans know about it? What, and what can we do to change that? We have to do a better job of telling our story. We've got to, we, there have been moments, I would say, in the past 30 years. I mean, we had a couple thousand AmeriCorps members on the South Lawn of the White House. Uh, we had uh, uh, Senator Obama and Senator McCain doing this great debate or conversation about service uh, during, during that election period. Uh, I just had some Facebook memories that popped up from a national service conference about 10 years or plus ago uh, where Mrs. Obama was headlining and John Bon Jovi opened uh, so we have had moments where we were where we were doing a better job of celebrating Americans that served and and using all of our channels. I was actually talking uh, to Mark Miller, who was one of the the first people in the the public in, uh, uh, public affairs shop at AmeriCorps I was talking about the MTV ads that, that we used to do about like uh, kick apathy in the butt, get some money and like all sorts of, of, of things that, that we could do. So we have fallen back a little bit. We've, we've lost a little steam, but we are going to use the 30th year to get back on track. Uh, my team hates it when I said this, but we're going to bring our sexy back or get our mojo <laughs> back. I'm sorry. I, I can't help it. Uh, so there, there is more that we have to do. It's also harder now, right? Anyone who is yeah. trying to break through 
through the noise. There is so much noise. There's so much information uh, that, that is coming uh, to, to younger people. And so we, we've got to do better. AmeriCorps Vista is still around. It is thriving. It is extraordinary work that is happening across the country. AmeriCorps Seniors is doing extraordinary work through our Foster Grandparents Program, Senior Companion Program, Retired Seniors uh, Volunteer Program. Uh, I have spent time with them. So we, we, are, we are still there. They are doing the great work, but we have to do a better job of telling the story. Yeah. Good. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm, and I personally cannot wait for you to bring sexy back. <laughs> wondering, uh, wondering again, we, we, we live in a, we live in a, we live in the real world, obviously. Um, people are worried about inflation. Uh, people are worried about the economy. How do you think where we're, where the economy is going and how people are feeling about it? How does that affect national service and how people think about national service? Well, I mean, what, what we've been talking about is we have found through the history of AmeriCorps, when the going gets tough, AmeriCorps, Americans get tougher. And we actually find uh, when there are challenges, we see more people wanting to step up and, and serve. Uh, and so I'm, I am ever the optimist. Uh, my boss, President Biden, is ever the optimist. And so we're going to hope and believe America's economy is going to continue growing in the direction that it needs to, to grow. But when challenges come, uh, people in communities, uh, AmeriCorps members meet the moment. And, and so I know no matter what happens, uh, we are going to be there. Um, our 250,000 AmeriCorps members and senior volunteers are going to be there. Uh, and, and we're going to make sure that we're, we're helping communities get through whatever challenges come our way. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, we have only just a few more minutes left. So I want to encourage everyone who uh, does want to ask a question to, to get that in so we can make sure we have, we have time to answer as many as we can. Um, but maybe you could spend a, a couple of minutes, Michael, um, telling us, looking forward, what is what does national service look like in twenty years? If if you could if you could wave your wand, you, we accomplished the the three three point A and B uh, <laughs> goals that you that you want to accomplish. Uh, we've brought sexy back. We've done it all. We've accomplished it. What does national service look like for America in twenty years? So if if you think twenty years from now, one. Uh, I would like to see a million AmeriCorps members uh, serving. Uh, I, I think that that should be the, the order of magnitude that this work uh, can achieve. Uh, I'd like to see AmeriCorps reflecting the rich diversity, uh, not only in our AmeriCorps members, but also in the organizations that we're funding. Uh, I'd like AmeriCorps to be celebrated uh, so that uh, we, are, we are seeing, well, you know, maybe it's the, the AmeriCorps president of the United States who's an AmeriCorps alum. We're getting pretty close. We've got AmeriCorps members in Congress. We've got AmeriCorps members that are running for office. We've got AmeriCorps members that are in all sorts of uh, corporate positions. And so we, maybe we have our, our, our first AmeriPresident uh, that, that, is, that is doing extraordinary work. But we see companies uh, proudly hiring AmeriCorps members uh, and AmeriCorps members that are, that are sitting in, in Fortune 50 and, and Fortune uh, 100 boardrooms. Uh, and, and because we're celebrating that, that spirit. And I think most importantly, we have proven it. When we looked at, you know, 20 years, we look back and we say, ah, oh, remember 2020? Remember the pandemic? Remember the challenges we were facing uh, when, when it came to issues of race and equity? It was really that national service movement. It was really AmeriCorps uh, that, that made such a pivotal difference in bringing communities together. It was really AmeriCorps that uh, changed the trajectory of educators uh, and making sure that we were creating a richer pipeline of, of folks that were serving and then becoming educators. Uh, it was really AmeriCorps that changed the face of our public health care system. Uh, and we've, we've dismantled all sorts of uh, health inequities that are out there. And now AmeriCorps members are 
are now uh, running our public health system. So it's got to be about impact. It's got to be about equity. Uh, and, it, and it has to be about making sure that there are more opportunities for AmeriCorps members to serve. Well, that's a vision I could uh, sign up for. Let's hear it from Michael Smith. Michael, thank you for your uh, thank you for your your vision, your tenacity, your optimism. Thank you for coming to California. We hope you'll come back very of soon. Course. Thank you to the Commonwealth Club for hosting this important conversation and for continuing the important work that you do around civic engagement and and in, uh, and in civically involved uh, citizenry. Thank you to Adam for convening us and hosting this. Thanks, and, Adam. And thank you all for being part of this. And that concludes our our important and fun night together. Thank you. Thanks, Josh. You've been listening to the Commonwealth Club of California. Hear thousands of our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, please consider supporting our work and help us bring 500 programs a year to listeners like you. Go to commonwealthclub.org slash donate. Think your way around the world with our travel programs to exciting domestic and international destinations. And when you're in the Bay Area, please join us live at our events. Thank you for listening and for your support. Thank you.